The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Sunday night edition of the pod. Time to get rolling here with more from our draft scouting series. DeAndre Ayton today. Looking forward to seeing him. A player that you and I saw in his nascent stages of development at the hoop summit in 2016 which was a really weird situation for him he had such a miserable experience that he didn't go back for the next year's hoop summit when he would have been a senior this was his junior year and this is a team that had no guards and lost the game by 40 so that had been our initial impression of him but as a guy going into his senior year he was definitely behind where some of the other elite guys that we've seen at that event and he's made great strides of course since then also saw him at adidas nations later that summer as well going into his senior year where do you want to start with him <sighs> i mean yeah now i i actually saw it in three separate events in 2016 because i saw him two and a half years ago play against prolific prep and what's striking about ayton is that while he has certainly improved and there are lots of elements of his game that are at least a little bit different i think the general contours the like the shape the general contours are the same and what i mean by that is immensely physically talented on the short list of the most physically talented players of his size that i can remember but then it is applying that consistently and adding in uh, i i thought that cleaning the glass falk did a nice job of calling this feel could also call it basketball iq wherever you want to go in that kind of realm those are the areas where i where i was concerned with him then and where i am still concerned with him let's now. talk about that physical profile first because that is of course what makes him stand out the most seven five wingspan seven one height nine three standing reach those are very solid numbers for a center he's an excellent leaper as well a power dunker around the rim and uh, I would characterize his movements, I would characterize him as mobile, but not smooth necessarily. You know, I mean, he, he can cover a lot of ground quickly and it, it can look pretty good, but he's not the most fluid athlete, even so, I would say. Uh, and I mean, his speed though, in transition, it, when he really gets running, which whether that was due to system or his playing a ton of minutes or just that he doesn't really run that hard a lot of times, you didn't see often. But when you did, it was just breathtaking how quickly he could get down the floor. And same thing, even you know, hedging out and pick and roll defense as a switch defender. It showed impressive mobility at times. So that's the good. The next question I want to have, though, I mean, it, I share your concerns about his defense, about his awareness. Certainly has the tools, though, which is a, a much better place to be in than a lot of guys as a starting point. You know, whether it's only two blocks per 40 whether it's more just not showing a ton of awareness on when to come over and help defense not being that aggressive as a help defender what needs to happen for him to become a superstar to become a player where you're like yeah this is a number one pick type of player well it's interesting because there are a lot of kind of different elements that he can improve on i you know, one way of doing it, which is not the common one for a center, is if he could get better as a switch defender. So kind of goes more towards the Click Appella model of defensive value rather than the Joel Embiid model, where Joel Embiid, you know, wonderful rim protector, defensive rebounder, all that. And I think Aiton actually has a better chance of being more in the Capella model defensively than Embiid just because of the recognition. And when I, it's hard always to tell with video, but there, I don't know why I could feel this, but it didn't feel like he was a great communicator. And you could just kind of with the way the rest of his team was moving. And that's something that guys get a lot better at once they get to the pros because the demands on the center position change in terms of verbal communication. But on that end, I, I think that you need to do one or the other to at least get to that level. And then offensively, I think it's just imposing his will more often. I mean, I I had a note 
was more on the defensive end, but I think it's true both ways, is that he doesn't make opponents feel him enough. And I think of the center position as being about a lot of kind of jostling and battling and movement and imposing your will at certain moments. That could be screening. That could be getting an inside seal for a post-up. That could be denying an inside seal at some point. And Aiton, when he does any of those things, he looks great doing it. It's just that he doesn't do them often enough. Yeah, I think that for him... Another guy who you kind of want to put into a stereotype, right? Like the ultra talented big who's just like kind of under motivated and doesn't really know the game. But there are aspects of his game that move beyond that, right? There are things that yes. you can see where he's not like, oh, this isn't like a dumb player or this isn't a lazy player or you know, he doesn't fall into those categories that easily. You know, I think you, you, people like us kind of want to stereotype him initially because you know that's what we do as human beings we kind of oh this is the archetype you know let's uh, can we fit him into this box and i think that the more you watch of him there are some enigmatic elements in both directions really uh getting yeah oh i want to talk about one of those so he has surprisingly good passing vision. I don't necessarily think he has the greatest passing instincts, but his vision's like there are a couple plays where he gets doubled and he, first of all, he also can do escape dribbles, which is pretty exciting for a guy his age that he can, you know, if he gets doubled, he can get out of it and make a pass. But he can also find guys in the opposite corner and those sorts of reads, not the easy pass, which a lot of guys are getting better at, but he can make the hard pass. And I was really impressed with that. It's another one of the, like, I don't know that that's really a basketball IQ thing, but it's definitely something you would not expect if if one was to pigeonhole him in one of those boxes you were talking about. Yeah, and he had 57 assists on the year, and then some of these are overlap, but uh, on passes out of the post, when he was uh, double teamed, it's called defense commits is the category on Synergy. 75 passes out of the post. A lot of those are two spot-ups. A lot of those were on the weak side. And he set up some really nice plays. He even And even when it wasn't his pass initially causing the assist, I thought that he had pretty decent recognition of when he was getting doubled. And he got the ball out of his hands quickly and started the churn to get a, a shot on the weak side, even if necessarily you know, he wasn't finding the guy who was wide open immediately. He said, all right, I'm double teamed. I'm going to give the ball up and not just give it right back to the passer where, you know, there's no advantage gained at all. But he was a- able to kind of keep things moving and allow his team to take advantage of him being double teamed, which I like. I want to get back, though, to, to the question of what it would take for him to be a superstar player. You know, let's say a top 10 player, top 15 player in the NBA. There's a big difference between those, I suppose. But I mean, he would have to be, you know, a dominating o- offensive player. You know, I mean, look at some of the guys who are there. You know, I don't think he's, from a skill level standpoint, he does have a, a solid jump shot. Not, I don't think, a great one. But, you know, he's not going to be Carl Anthony Towns from a shooting standpoint, from a skill in the post standpoint. Now, he's got more physical tools than Towns uh, on the offensive end and, and defensively as well. I do question, uh, due to the lack of awareness, you know, I think he can be adequate defensively eventually. You mentioned the switching as maybe a way to help that happen. But as a help defender, I, I don't think he quite has the instinct. And guys could develop that to some degree. But I just don't think he quite has the instincts to really be an elite defensive player as a center. And so now, if you want him to be a superstar, you're talking about a guy who has to be, you know, really just like an awesome offensive player. And I'm not quite sure that he quite can get there. You know, it's he's solid in the post. You know, he's got a right-hand jump hook, left-hand jump hook. We'll talk more about his post game. But uh, I think he's got some kind of pick-and-pop game. But again, like not something that looks like a total bread and butter. You're not seeing this guy and you're like, oh man, like this skill level is unbelievable. It's nice, especially when you consider his physical tools. You know, he's certainly above average for a guy with his physical tools in terms of his skill level. But I don't see him as just a dominating, put-the-ball-in-his-hands type of offensive player. I mean, unless he can just play with so much physicality that you know he's getting shack like deep post-ups all the time and stuff like that i'm not sure that he quite has that in him so he's not gonna ever be 325 pounds like shack either probably he's gonna be very strong and big (laughs) but not a guy who is gonna be that powerful uh, around the room because basically nobody in nba history from that Along those same lines, something that struck me, I watched the game that they played in Oregon, which happened to be right after the allegations came out about his potential, you know, involvement, the Sean, the Miller stuff, all that. And he played well overall in that game, but it was close. It ended up going to overtime and in the late second half and in overtime, he just wasn't impacting the game that much offensively because 
Oregon was able to take him out. They doubled him really once, and then they were just kind of taking away those passes. And it reminded me that in the modern NBA, it is, even if a guy is good, like, I mean, I certainly let's, let's not talk about like the Shaq level, because that's a whole different thing, as you just mentioned. But if you're like a step below that, it can be harder to maximize those players offensively than anybody else, unless he really gets this lockdown pick and pop game. If he can be kind of a dual threat pick and roll big man, then he could maybe get in that realm. But it's it's really hard with how good switching is, with how many capable players are on the floor now, to have that linchpin offensively be a center. Yeah, it is. And, and Joel Embiid, to whom he has somewhat similar physical measurements, you know, Joel didn't play as much as Kansas, it wasn't featured as much, didn't have the raw stats that Aiden had. Uh, but Joel, number one, was just a much better rim protector. And number two, just showed like a real smoothness to his skill level that you just you don't see from Aiden. Um, now, I think that he has pretty low bust potential because if you just look at the type of guys in NBA history with his physical profile, if you want to go back and some of the names of those who are really like this would be, you know, Shaq obviously is a level beyond where he is. Uh, Dwight Howard, Andre Drummond. Is, I use this logic too. Uh, when talking about Drummond, when, way back my very early days, when in, in 2012, you'll recall, there wasn't really an obvious number two overall pick. And I said, well, it should probably be Drummond because if you just look, yeah, he had all this rough time at, at UConn, but with that physical profile it's pretty hard not to succeed and he is a, an excellent rebounder as well not quite the same level as Drummond uh but guys who are good leapers have good mobility and are strong and have elite height and length at the center position I mean those guys nearly always succeed in some form or fashion but uh, my questions revolve around you know is this guy really a number one pick level of player number one with some of the concerns we've already discussed and number two uh, with just the fact that being an absolute top of the league type of player as a center is just very difficult in today's game and we just haven't seen a center since Shaq really be a top five player in the NBA and so you know he doesn't have to be a top five player to succeed as the number one pick but and again we haven't looked at everyone else yet either to know where he falls in the hierarchy he might still be the best of all these guys but I think it is very difficult for me to say just because he's a center because he's not just absolutely elite type of skill level to see him as just like that type of upside which is crazy for people to think because it used to be oh man this guy is unlimited upside because he's a center and he has these measurements but it's just i don't think that's the case in today's nba for all the reasons that we've discussed ad nauseum over the last you know probably three four months a point i want to bring up about ayton's physical capability so there was a play uh, one of the games i watched was well actually here faced can, can we do a read first the... and then we'll we'll get into like some of sure. his more specific yeah. characteristics sure because we obviously have a lot more to say on him as well but i wanted to kind of set the scene overall and we actually have a new sponsor to tell you about which is burrow i now have a, a burrow couch a love seat sitting in kind of our upstairs reading area and it's incredibly comfortable it was created uh by two gentlemen one was uh stephen cool who uh, in college suffered from two herniated discs and he teamed up uh with his co-founder kabir chopra to build a luxury furniture company that maximized comfort and support. These are handcrafted in the same factories as other high-end retailers, but they're delivered for much less and they're shipped for free with an ergonomic design and a built-in USB charger as well, which is nice. These couches have a, a beautiful mid-century type of look, but definitely not mid-century comfort. It's modern comfort. If you go to burrow.com, B-U-R-R-O-W.com, you can select the color, the size, the armrest height, the leg color. I went with their blue color. You can even customize it a little bit because the cushions, if you flip them around, they're either tufted or not tufted, depending on what you think fits better in your home. And you can enjoy 30 days risk-free on your burrow or try burrow at one of their partner showrooms as well. And if you don't like it, then of course you can return it. It's shipped in three pretty small boxes, all of which were a manageable size and weight. And putting it together took me, I think, about 15 minutes or so, I would say. And I was by myself, too. Uh, my fiancé wasn't available, so I just did the whole thing myself. It really was not very difficult at all. Don't need any tools to do, put it together. And then, obviously, if you need to move, you can take it apart if you need to. The way to get started with Burrow, once again, that's B-U-R-R-O-W.com. And then the link is, of course, slash capspace. Burrow.com slash capspace. They'll get you $75 off your order. 
Once again, burrow.com slash cap space. Burrow makes the luxury couch for real life. Yeah, so where were you going to go here starting to talk about some of the specific aspects of this game? So there was a play in the Pac-12 title game where Aiden was in good defensive position, got a stop on, on Metu, and then he, you know, finishes out the play, does it well, and still beats, he's on the baseline and beats every single player, guards, forwards, centers included, to the end to the other side of the floor and i'm just sitting there going how the hell did that happen because you don't see centers especially seven one centers do that and so it's the idea that that this is a little bit of a different thing physically than some of these other players we're talking about like he is on those elements i his second jump is, is is good as well like that's part of what led to some of his rebounding numbers so like he has just just crazy physical profile and also i liked generally speaking i liked his his feet and his footwork too i talked about his potential as a switch defender some of that is the way he can shuffle chop his feet also his footwork on post-ups is pretty good so he has a lot of those elements as well which are, are kind of bridge the line between physical talent and skill and i was impressed with those too yeah we, we mentioned in transition doesn't run very often but when he does it's just pretty ridiculous now generally you're not gonna see guys who are big superstars sprint the floor every time you know they just don't necessarily have the energy to do that but the fact that he has that capability is nice and it should be effective for him in particular early in his career i want to go back to the switch defending because that to me is a big part of how good can this buy be especially at the highest levels where we've seen Clint Capella, Anthony Davis, those guys, just some of these teams, it seems like you almost have to switch everything against if you're really at the highest levels of basketball. And I expect that to be the case for some time now going into the future. And especially when you consider that, you know, I don't see him as an elite rim protecting center. He could get there. He's got the tools, but, you know, it just doesn't seem to have those instincts, the timing with the shot blocking. So if you look at the number of possessions where he defended in isolation, only allowed 25 points on 38 possessions, which is obviously a very good number. You know, it's college. Not a lot of space for isolations, not the absolute greatest guys going against him a lot of times. You know, these are not like elite guards like he's going to have to face in the NBA on these plays most of the time. I didn't really see him particularly affecting the shot on a lot of these. Like as far as he could kind of stay in front of the guy, you know, he moves quickly. His technique is not amazing. You know, he'll turn his hips, let guys kind of get by him. Not really that much of a threat to block the shot from behind once he's beaten. You know, again, which we've seen a lot of from Capella in these playoffs also i didn't think that you know when he really did get switched onto a quicker guard that he wasn't really able to get a hand up and contest the jump shot all that well you know to really transition from the sliding into getting a hand up and contesting you know that that moment when the guy picks up his dribble how quickly you can get a hand up is a big part of being a good switch defender at the nba level so i, I like Again, his his mobility looks pretty good. If you really dig into it, I I think at this point, talking about how good he is as a switch defender is a little bit overrated. Maybe, again, he can get there, but... Well, let yeah. me let me draw the difference. It's more about capability rather than what he sure. is right now. Like yeah. it's and, just and you know like that because the, the you know, nineteen the, year olds that we're looking at. Sure. Yeah, and and I also thought the value for him as a switch defender. You know, there will be there will be issues certainly with guards, but I, there were a series of plays where he was on more of like a small forward sized guy, and I thought he sure. looked better there just because the quickness advantage was muted a little bit and. You'll have to, you know, a, a switch center was going to have to do all those. It's not, it's not like, oh, you only get to choose to switch onto threes. But there were some pieces there. And the other reason why I brought up that instead of the the interior, you know, being that kind of traditional center defender is because I think there's a higher potential of it, even though it's not great either way, just because the recognition and all that at the center, at you know, the center type stuff is there. And one play I wanted to bring up as an example here, I think it was in that same SC game. It was the last play of the first half, and basically a guard is driving in. Aiton is the help defender in this circumstance. He is not the he is not switched onto the guy. He's just reacting to the situation. And he instead of really getting in front of either the roll man or the ball handler, he kind of puts his hand where he thinks the pass is going to be. And he is one step away from doing either one of those things, and just does neither of them. And that's not what you want to see from a guy who could potentially be a defensive center and again let's note that his mobility for a guy this size he's is above average you know the fact that we've been talking about his potential as a switch defender is a good thing the one play that was most hilarious to me was they're up six against asu with under two minutes left he gets switched onto this guard and starts doing like the morpheus like come hither 
with his hand he's got like his hand out and he like turns it back towards himself to be like hey come here to like talk shit to the guy and right as he did that the guy just banged a three right in his face <laughs> it's pretty funny uh let's get to some of the stats on him 13.5 percent offensive rebound rate 28.2 percent defensive rebound and that's pretty damn good considering that he also was playing next to a traditional center wristage a, a lot of the time uh also when you talk about his situation worth noting that he had to defend on the perimeter more than a lot of traditional centers I mean, he was playing the four a, a lot of the time just because they had this other guy wristage who was just like totally ground bound slow center uh two point block rate 6.1 percent you know that's not amazing for a guy of his size 27 percent usage that's good to see though that he's able to create those n- number of shots and to be a, a 20 and 10 guy you know we don't you don't see a lot of these guys you know he wasn't on an absolutely loaded team but you don't see a lot of these guys get up to 20 points a game so maybe there's a, the point that maybe we're underselling his uh offensive upside a little bit if he's able to create this many shots didn't turn it over a ton for college only 11 percent where and in college you know turnover rates are huge they're almost as much as like 20 percent in college and uh true shooting was great 65 percent also 73 percent from the foul line which is encouraging again for a big of his ilk and only 35 three-point attempts on the year he went 34 percent 12 out of 35 uh and did shoot just an incredible percentage at the rim depending on what site you consult it was a, as high as 82 percent at the rim per hoop math uh for some of synergies metrics is a little bit lower but certainly an excellent finisher at the rim from a statistical standpoint although i am a little bit lower on how that might translate to the nba what other part of his game do you want to talk about Something that I found absolutely fascinating with Aiton, and this ties into when we saw him a couple years ago, he popped substantially more than he rolled. So it was 63 pops, and he had about 0.9 points per possession, 22 rolls, and one point per possession. So the pop number is better than you would expect per possession, and the roll number is worse. Some of that is because he doesn't always finish strong over a solid contest. Sometimes he just kind of tries to avoid it and, and you know maybe go to the other side or gets a little bit too cute with it, and those can be problematic for him. He can be a threat both places. I also think that in that specific element as a roll man in a pick and roll, having Ristich out there was was a negative because it would just bring another guy into the action improve floor spacing could just create those we just saw this in the nba finals all those times where there just isn't any resistance and in those circumstances he will do super well but a general criticism i have had of ayton forever is that he is too confident and too comfortable with his jump shot like i think his jump shot will be good i think it will move into a place for his size that is that provides value but he needs to see it more as like a last resort rather than, oh, I'm open. I should just shoot it. And that will, I think that can happen with coaching. It it should happen with coaching, but sometimes for players like that have that kind of mentality, it can be hard to break, especially if it hasn't broken yet. Yeah, I agree with you on the pick and roll finishing. That was disappointing. The lack of space w- was part of that. But also, I think, you know, when he would catch the ball coming down the lane, he didn't have a great feel for where the defense was. You know, he wasn't a guy who was able to kind of catch make a fake take a dribble uh, and go up very well you know he'd just kind of get caught there'd be a body on him he, he wouldn't throw up a great shot or you know he might travel or something as the defense came over not really comfortable as well as a one foot finisher which doesn't matter as much for a big as it does for a guard because he's not going to be putting the ball on the floor and driving to the rim and going off of one foot but he's not as explosive off of one foot not a guy who you see doing like a bunch of kind of euro steps to just avoid help defenders uh, in a role situation um the shot is interesting doesn't shoot jumpers off the dribble really i think he only attempted one of those uh, all year um very quick release though which is nice uh and he kind of kicks his legs out in a weird way you know he's not perfectly on balance a lot of times and and he shoots a flat shot you know again it's a shot that can go in um if you think of him as a face-up guy rather than as a post-up guy you know because he does like to face up um he was eight out of 22 on face-up jumpers without driving and i think he can put the ball on the floor but i don't quite trust him to make the decision once he's faced the basket and started his drive if the help comes there as opposed to kind of catching the ball in the post and making an an immediate decision it's easier to do that than in the post than when you're on the move uh but he did have some nice moments facing up and driving one really sick play that he had which we didn't see much of but he caught the ball at the free throw line faked took a drill to his right against alabama and then went behind his back like really quickly and went into the lane and got a foul that was pretty impressive he's got like pretty decent spin moves as well and one of the nice you'll see this out of the post for him too one of the nice things is like a lot of guys 
if you're not strong enough and you spin you kind of bounce off the guy and then can maybe travel or just kind of you know not have your momentum to the basket get stalled he's so strong that when he spins as he's spinning he can knock the guy backwards as well that's very difficult to do and create some space on his finishing game so on shots noted as around the basket but not post-ups by synergy 1.48 points per possession that's basically 75 percent. that's pretty damn good uh i think his hands just you know as a finisher on dump offs his hands are okay i wouldn't call them great although they, he does have really big hands um his touch is average i would say uh he'll go for kind of these weird reverses sometimes instead of really trying to go up and dunk on someone uh he'll also catch the ball and take an unnecessary dribble down low uh, on occasion uh, but when he really has a chance to explode up on these dunks you know it, it looks pretty good i mean he he can catch it not only kind of half bring the ball down and still be able to go right back up with the dunk if there's kind of a lob play or something like that uh and then like he does have a decent left hand which is nice you know you don't and i think that the left-handed like pure jump hook from like 10 feet away is one of the most overrated shots in basketball like every big wants to be able to shoot that shot just to, like show how skilled they are but it's like on your offhand jump hook like unless you're like david lee or someone like you're just not going to be effective with that shot it's going to be a 35 percent shot but he does have like a very short range lefty hook and layups see that's a really important play for a big man you know if you're four feet away from the rim and you're going up and you've kind of got a guy in between you and the ball or um, you in the basket so that that's good again not the greatest touch uh but does have big hands and doesn't get amazing extension on his finishes or on his hook shot but it's still pretty good and given his physical tools especially as he gets better at just creating space for those shots i think it can be very effective a couple other things i wanted to bring up one i mentioned this a little bit before but it needs to be brought up is that he is at this point in his career an awful screener yeah i brought this up with bagley as well i think a lot of guys just aren't encouraged yeah. to well and, and he has and the physical get, capability of being you a don't want to pick screener. up if you're a big in college when they're looking for any oh that's something else we should talk about and you don't want to fall is how many minutes yeah. he played this was absolutely insane so he was playing he was average 33 and a half but in the late games in the season he was basically playing all the time i had a note in there when i was watching a couple of the different games going did he sit in the second half and the answer was generally no and they needed him arizona dealt with a whole bunch of stuff over the course of the season and I, I don't know whether him playing fewer minutes, you know, balancing that out, giving him more rest, even just having quarter breaks as opposed to being in two halves will make that difference in terms of intensity. Maybe it will a little bit and help. That is one thing that that was concerning, but hopefully can be improved. And then another one I wanted to bring up, and this kind of goes into that whole box with basketball IQ is there was a huge play late in the Arizona State game where Arizona was up five and they got a steal off an air pass. It ended up in Aiton's hands. In, in their, you know, their half because it was a steal in the defensive half. And the clock's running down and he just freezes with the ball. And so you're sitting there going, oh, well, that's weird. Like he, he could have passed off, you know, tried to do this, anything like that. He just froze until the double got there. And then when the double got there, he freaked out, missed his teammate who was open and just threw the ball right to an Arizona State guy who drilled a three. And... It, it's not like you're going to, you know, condemn a guy for one play, but it would just kind of combine with a couple of the other things that made me uncomfortable. It's like, okay, getting into the situation, just being calm and just making an easy pass because you're up five with, I think it was like 30 seconds to go. And it was, it just stuck with me. Yeah. I mean, he definitely will have those brain fart plays every once in a while. He's not the most natural feel, not the most fluid player to be sure. Oh, I had one more I wanted yeah. to mention like that. I have this note in there. I wrote paralleling offense uh getting physical with Aiden early works and that I could see him getting ducked in on and just getting not necessarily outplayed but just getting frustrated by big men who try you know like those those guys who are more effort-based and just kind of get into it actually Kevin Love I think could really in certain circumstances just piss off DeAndre Aiden getting into spots you know using his arms and all that kind of stuff and I think once Aiden learns the tricks to the trade he'll get a lot better at that but you saw it throughout it's like these guys who are smaller than him or who aren't nearly as physically gifted or just getting into good positions and I hope that he can get better at that because otherwise that negates some of the advantage he has yeah and you know I didn't see him be just overly physical but he did 
compete enough to where if he was being fronted they're able to throw the ball over the top to him pretty well i mean he's he wasn't just like shoving the guy way up the lane but he was getting his body into him enough and again like you know he's so big that he doesn't even have to like try that hard to just get good angles in the post they would throw it over the top to him it it looked pretty good or if he was gonna try they'd run a lot of plays where he would set a pick and roll and then try to get position on the block or something like that and and i thought that that looked pretty good for him and certainly against switches he's able to get post pins pretty easily i also want to talk about his offensive rebounding and to some extent defensive rebounding too this comes into play i just love the way and this is one of those things that kind of goes against the idea of like oh he doesn't have that great a feel i love the way that he would just tip the ball to himself i think way more rebounders should do that in situations where it's much easier to get one hand on the ball than two and so if you're in a situation where it's like all right if i go for this with two hands someone else is going to tip it first well if you can tip it to yourself like then you can prevent someone else from getting one hand on it and tipping it away from you i mean he did that so many times especially on the offensive glass and was able to do it without fouling i, I thought that that was pretty impressive and a nice the way that he pursues the ball as a rebounder just overall it is pretty impressive i mean every once in a while he won't react that quickly enough uh but in, and especially if he's guarding a shooter you know that was something that both being able to come off the shooter and protect the rim and then get back out there you know not that many seven footers or 19 can do that but or even when he's guarding a shooter what you can do is when a shot goes up you can run towards the defensive backboard you know you wouldn't necessarily do that as much either show like great out of area rebounding necessarily but he just he takes up so much space down there and has such a wide radius that he turns out to be an excellent rebounder anyway yeah i was very impressed with his rebounding and the idea of tipping it to yourself another analogy that you and i have talked it happened in the nba finals of throwing the ball off the backboard to yourself if you're kind of stuck the idea being that you know where you're putting the ball and opponent has to react to it and i think ayton did a pretty good job of that of kind of knowing where where that space was and as you said i think that's where the where the game is going and i think he could end up being if you get into a system and this is becoming more common in the league where you have kind of set areas where your teammates are going to be he could get good at tipping the ball to teammates instead of just trying to grab it himself and got and and going you know saving that extra step i I could see him and being good at that and you know connecting with him especially with the decreased emphasis on offensive rebounding that is becoming more prevalent in the nba now well so what do you think of him overall then i mean i I don't know if i want to rank him since we haven't done some of these other guys quite yet but just what do you think of him overall as a prospect here i think it's going to take a while with him to see everything but his physical capability is is going to be there early i'm a little bit i'm more skeptical of his defensive ceiling now than it was before just because i I, and this isn't from my own knowledge but i've heard so much about sean miller as a defensive coach and that he did get a little bit better but didn't get a ton better over the course of that season yeah maybe fewer and all these arizona guys were like oh they play the pack line defense like they just don't block shots or get that many steals well you know aaron gordon hasn't really you know these other guys from arizona like haven't really been like oh wow sean miller was holding me back from getting blocks and steals so now i'm getting all of them in the pros and it doesn't really seem to happen right and i am impressed with his his rebounding and i don't know if you read it but i I really enjoyed the piece that uh ben falk did for cleaning the glass it was mid-season but the framing of it was on this idea of if you put the skills or like attributes of an nba player into can teach and and can't teach because you know it's a it's a it's a wide line aiden has an appallingly large amount of the stuff that you can't teach but the question is how much of the other stuff can you live without? Because he'll probably get better at certain elements of it. I expect that he will. But it, in order to be like a star or a superstar, you have to have that base and the capability. And so I feel like, as you said, that his his floor is, is comfortably high. I think that's a, a good element with him. And he's just so capable that he, I could see him, you know, even if let's, let's say he ends up playing, you know, second unit minutes, I could just see him beasting on second unit centers, either taking them inside, taking them outside, depending on that guy's attributes. And there's a lot to like with him, but I also think that the, he's kind of coming around partially at the wrong time in terms of overall impact. I could see him being more efficient because there's so much more spacing now, but it's hard to see him as a go-to guy. Yeah, I don't love him just because of some of the reasons that we talked about and maybe this is my own biases of like liking guys who have more feel and more moves but 
you just you can't ignore the physical attributes and then the fact that he when you consider those physical attributes has an above average skill level for those attributes uh, on the offensive end to be sure now is he gonna be a 25 point a game scorer efficiently you know eh, i'm not quite sure i can get there yet could happen but I, he doesn't quite seem to have that skill but you know if you go back and look at like an anthony davis or uh, you know so, some of these other big even carl anthony towns although we saw him outside of the kentucky sphere as a much more skilled player than he was able to show there you know those are two of the best offensive bigs in today's game i don't see Aiden, as i said with that type of smoothness but i think it, when you throw in the offensive boards when you throw in running the floor throw in pick and roll pick and pop and then i think a solid post-up game i don't know if he's going to be a guy that you're going to want to just like throw the ball to against another center but certainly off of switches or opportunity post-ups you know i I see him probably being capable of being a 20 point a game score if not maybe the absolute lead dog on an offense but the biggest like if he looked better defensively i'd be like oh yeah this guy absolute number one pick for sure feel great about it but my memory of guys who didn't look like they're good defenders in college as bigs who got there in the pros and and developed great defensive awareness in the pros not a lot of guys on that list that that i can recall so i I think you know he's going to be more like an average nba center defensively maybe the switching gets him above that but there's still a lot of things a lot of boxes that need to be checked a lot of evolution that needs to happen in ways where maybe it doesn't always happen to make me feel like this guy is a surefire superstar I'm not going to say that like he's a terrible pick as the number one pick. And again, we'll have to talk about the other guys later on. And, you know, but certainly even if we haven't watched much of Jackson or Bamba yet, for example, if you compare him to those guys, a more effective offensive player, certainly than either of the two guys by a mile in terms of his production in college, even in a tough system in terms of spacing. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not like, I don't think he's going to be a bad player. I don't think that he's going to be a bust, but I'm not like, oh man, this guy, he's right up there with like some of my favorite number one picks, you know, that we've seen in the last 10 years or something. You know, I'd say he doesn't just jump off the screen to me as like, yes, this guy is on the level of, you know, the number one overall picks that we in college sometimes. I'm not comparing their games at all, but I remember wondering about DeMarcus Cousins defensively when he was at Kentucky. Cousins was a different kind of undeniable physically, you know, because he's just so big. He's so, you know, like, and and the way that he moves, Cousins moves for his size is fascinating still. But the idea of just not bringing the kind of recognition and effort on that end was a concern of mine when he was at Kentucky, and that largely carried over. And there aren't, as you said, there aren't that many parallels. And he has to do so much to get to, let's say, top 10 defense, which is, I think, really where the level would be with his offense to become one of the absolute best centers in the league. And the other big question with him that we haven't talked about enough that I think we should is, will he be good enough on either end of the floor to stay on the floor against the best of the best if the league goes where we think it's going to go. And you're not thinking about DeAndre and facing the current Rockets or the current Warriors, but we are thinking about him in a league that is going in that direction. And I think he can attack switches well enough and be able to go after mismatches, but defensively there are certainly concerns and then offensively we've saw those guys get kind of marginalized in the last couple of years yeah well I, I mean we're ta- and when we say stay on the floor we're talking about like i mean it's very likely he'll be a large enough piece of whatever team he, he's on that they're just going to play him because he's just one of their better players but I, I understand what you mean in terms of just how well does he translate against those i mean i, I don't see a team that he's on that invested the resources in him also being like oh we have another small option that's better than this guy but certainly you wonder again about how effective he can be in more of this small ball era all right we'll talk uh phoenix suns who are widely projected to draft eight and we'll talk a little bit about his fit there as well with them in just one second here before we talk suns though let me tell you about simple contacts my fiance uh, has contact lenses and has long lamented the time and effort and expense required to renew her prescription and purchase the contacts so i introduced her to simple contacts and in under five minutes she was able to renew her prescription through an online self-guided vision test and and when i first showed it to her i was like she was like oh five minutes like that's a long time i'm like well actually you're gonna completely renew your prescription because she thought it was just uh, she would put in her prescription and order it. i'm like no no this is even better than that they will renew your prescription for you and then she was like oh yeah that just saved me hours to not have to go to the doctor's office and make an appointment and especially 
especially if you're uh someone who works during the day it's tough to find time to go and do that and you don't want to do it on the weekend because that's your time off what's more their contact lens prices are unbeatable the vision test is only 20 bucks and shipping for them is free now it is worth noting that this is prescription renewals they test that your current prescription still helps you see 2020 and they renew that prescription they're not going to examine eye health or right your completely new prescription still should go see someone to examine your eye health uh, on a regular basis but if you're just renewing your prescription simple contacts is the way to go best of all my listeners get 30 dollars off their first simple contacts order the way to do that is you go to simplecontacts.com slash dunk different code this time d-u-n-c simplecontacts.com slash dunk or you can enter the code dunk at checkout as well again that's simplecontacts.com slash dunk or enter code dunk d-u-n-c that is at checkout for 30 dollars off your contacts and of course crucially to let them know that you came from us so let's start first uh, with phoenix i'm a little concerned just about how they have been these last few years and then fitting another guy who has kind of questionable defensive intelligence into that mix now certainly with the number one pick you shouldn't be worrying about fit at all you should just take whoever you think is the best guy and they have kakashkov now who i don't know that much about his coaching but it would be nearly impossible for him not to be an upgrade on what they've had in the last few years defensively and you know guys like certainly marquise chris is not a great fit with Aiden. maybe bender is but you know those guys aren't good enough that it should really enter in so if they really think Aiden is the best guy i have no problem with them taking him i don't have a problem with it either they're in that in that mold where the only guy that i would even slightly consider that for would be Devin Booker and I don't I haven't watched enough Doncich yet to have a firm opinion on it but I don't think that they preclude one precludes the other but let's get into their their cap situation just because I think this is interesting with them because Phoenix could be anywhere from right around at the cap if they keep their kind of fungible pieces to about 20 million under and the big pieces to consider there there are three one is Alan Williams he has a uh, 5.5 million non-guarantee this is largely a lost season to him unfortunately and his guarantee date is july 6th so it is pretty early on alex len who signed his qualifying offer so he will be unrestricted but has an eight million dollar hold and alfred payton who they acquired for a second round pick at the deadline he is restricted with a 10 million dollar hold. so keep all three of those guys on the other holds on the books you're at the cap and then that goes all the way to about 20 williams i would not expect them to retain uh, especially when you just think of like hey if we wanted to get another center on a one-year five million dollar deal you could probably get it someone who's better than him he was productive earlier but then it had that meniscus injury did not look good late in the year though obviously he was returning there but i, I don't see him as a guy who there's going to be any kind of that demand for i mean worst case you could always waive him and then re-sign him for less i don't i would be I think there's a about a zero percent chance that if they waived him with that that he would get claimed so i think he's gone len is talking about believing that he's probably going to be elsewhere i think that is probably correct and it's also worth noting with both those guys that if they draft yeah. Aiden, there's really not a need for for spending that much money at center because i presume if they bring Aiden in the one a solid vet that could be tyson chandler it could be somebody else but they'd want that and so between those two guys you probably have the minutes at center spoken yeah. for and i mean bender should probably get some minutes at yeah, the five as well played chris at the five also so yeah i don't think they would need a ton at center and there's just really who knows what len's price tag is going to be but especially if they draft Aiden, like len's not going to want to be there i i wouldn't expect them to make len any kind of significant offer and then so it really gets down to peyton which is an interesting one i mean you remember they got him for a song he did not play particularly well in a phoenix uniform uh again was just you know one of the worst plus minus guys especially on defense uh, amazingly uh, in phoenix although Booker didn't play a lot. Uh, that was one downside of Booker's late season injury slash them taking their asses off was that you didn't get to see how well those guys fit together. I don't believe that they do fit well together because Booker is a guy you want to have the ball in his hands running pick and roll and Alfred Payton, you don't have to guard the three-point line. So it, it gets a, a lot more difficult. I mean, I think really the the number one decision that they'll need to make in Phoenix, and they've been talking about this of like, oh, hey, you know, we're going to get back into the free agent market. We're going to do more, but... I'm not really sure that this is the time for that, especially if you're drafting a number one overall pick. They have to get some kind of point guard in there, I guess. So we can talk about who that'll be, but I think they would just be much better off taking on some bad salary with that 20 million. But then the issue becomes 2019, they probably want to have some space going forward. And, you know, they can have 40 million or so 
in space at that point although they are likely to extend booker you would think before then and they'll cut into that but they could have enough space for a max contract in 2019 but most of the contracts that they would take on are going to be contracts that run through 2020 although you could always maybe just stretch one of those if you really have some awesome free agent signing for 2019 which i doubt that they will and while there are a lot of teams that are would love to cut some salary it's a lot harder to get the real assets for a one-year deal, the, those kind of circumstances. I mean, whether you're talking about Jason Smith or somebody like that, or even a, a bigger contract, there aren't that yeah. many big expirings Bayless around the league right now. One. I will also, yeah, um, Bayl, Bayl, I think they would be a logical a logical one with Bayless. And one other note, you said about $40 million, That is a good number to use as a, as a base. They could also stretch Brandon Knight. Remember, he's on this team. Yeah, they're talking they about could, him actually like coming summer. back and like playing for them next year. So you missed the whole year at the ACL. Sure. But so if they want to stretch him next summer, then that could move them to about $50 million. And so then, then you start to talk about, okay, you could do whatever you want with Devin Booker, extend him now if you want, and, and still get somebody at the max. Then the math gets even easier. And the nice thing about it, waiting on the stretch provision is then you could just see where you are. If you, if you need to do it, you can. If you don't need to, then you won't. And a couple other just kind of housekeeping decisions that I think are going to be interesting for them, and then we could get into some of the bigger talks. Tyler Ewis, minimum non-guarantee. He actually guarantees, bef- I think it's right around draft day. Shaquille Harrison, who played a lot in that kind of tanking their ass off section yeah. of the season, he doesn't guarantee until August 1st. He showed some and then promise, Devon though. Reed, I think they'll stick, stick around with Yeah. Them. Yeah, unless they need that extra, you know, couple hundred thousand, I would yeah. I would probably keep Harrison I mean, around. Yeah. And then Devon Reed had a lost season. He's half guaranteed, but I would fully anticipate he'll be a part of the team. I mean, they drafted him. I think he was thirty second, yes. and he looked he looked pretty good when he was healthy. He just wasn't healthy for him. Let me ask you this: I and mean, who is a part of this the next good Suns team who's on the roster right now? I mean, and maybe some of so I'm saying like that you're thinking of as a starter or like for sure key rotation. For me, it's Devin. Bo- and that's it for sure yeah there are other guys who could be i mean if chris steps up if bender steps up i like tj warren a lot and <laughs> another guy who's like oh yeah he's on this team he, we like him when he can like be on the floor i'd love to see what warren can be on a better team yeah but he's so tough though. he could be josh jackson certainly starter, could be uh warren is just with the, True. the total regression of his three-point shot to the extent that it ever improved because he wasn't shooting a high volume that one year when he hit the 40 percent. but yeah i mean so he but you know they signed into that four-year 50 million dollar extension that kicks in this year amazingly it seems like ages ago that they even signed into that contract but uh you know that he's probably not tradable on that deal as of this point but could maybe become so but he seems like more of a bench score type of guy than a, a starter at this point yeah and I, i'm guessing josh jackson would be the one that most people would have and he can certainly step up he looked better to me towards the end of the year but again i don't think he is at the level yet where i would say oh you don't want to draft a perimeter player kind of filling his niche because you have josh jackson i think he could step into that this year hopefully he plays summer league i haven't heard anything definitively on that but he isn't as of as of this point for what i know i wouldn't have him in that you know definite starter conversation yeah which is a disappointment certainly with the number four overall pick they of course i'm sure are higher on him you know and then you just look at these players i mean how many even like effective starters do you have on this team you're bringing in another rookie with the number one overall pick he's unlikely to play effective winning basketball this year uh i think that's the case especially if it's Aiden defensively you know and, and they have sucked so badly defensively for so long yeah kakashkov might help a little bit with that but they just don't have the horses in terms of the personnel so to me it's very easy that this cap space should be used to take on bad money peyton to me doesn't move the needle at all uh I mean, I might hold on to his cap hold until you need to do something else in terms of taking on bad money. But it's just, I think that he, I wouldn't even want to give him, you know, a $10 million a year contract. Maybe if it's a little, if it's, if it could be a low enough number to where he would be, you'd be okay with him as a backup if it doesn't work out with him as a starter. And, you know, you just start the year with he and Knight together, then maybe. But the chances of Peyton taking a deal like that are are exceedingly low. He would probably just take his qualifying offer beforehand. I mean, I could even see them just kind of letting him out of the qualifying offer eventually. Because, again, you know, they didn't give up much to get him. And they have a billion second-round picks here anyway. And they don't really have a ton of roster slots. So it's not like those second-round picks were huge. And then 
the point i was going to make though is i don't think there's any players that you could get with your 20 million dollars in cap space who are going to get you anywhere close to playoff contention especially in the western conference as it is right now where it's a pretty high bar to get into the playoffs as we saw this year so it really would not make sense to me but some of the noises coming out of there especially if they didn't use their space last year might augur a little bit differently they could certainly be in that circumstance like the knicks were in back in 2016 where the right decision is to wait but the pressures on mcdonough on if sarver feels that kind of pressure on them are are more immediate and that could lead to some mistakes especially if it's on a multi-year contract it's on a single year thing that's largely okay it wouldn't be necessarily the best use of resources but they might go in that direction and and maybe what they could try to convince themselves of is like for example they would be a logical team to talk with the denver nuggets because the nuggets have all this expiring money if they're trying to get under the cap and and so if they could say hey kenneth freed like he would help make us better he's a solid vet you know that sort of thing they could go in that in that sort of direction another option for this charlotte is not asset rich but i was thinking about the idea because actually the sun not only do the suns have this money and one expiring contracts they have expiring contracts of their own so theoretically they could do something involving like let's say jared dudley and dwight howard like so dwight howard makes a lot more money but they could use cap space or they could combine a couple of their expiring contracts to make that work there are a couple different ways to do that the problem is assets and there just aren't that many teams for those conversations but i think they have to have a lot of those so maybe the kind of silver lining in this is if they can get a vet who is more likely to contribute that that can satiate ownership if ownership is feeling more win now pressure rather than spending on somebody who doesn't really make as much sense with this team especially because they have no idea what they have in a lot of these guys it's not even the idea where like chris or bender where you're sitting there going oh well in a couple years they'll be this they're just not there yet we have no idea what these guys are on a good team yeah that's right i mean and bender chris i mean maybe what you could see is like some of these young guys get traded and they try to bring in more talent that way to take a step forward towards the playoffs uh i wouldn't necessarily advocate that not that I think that Chris in particular, you know, if he has any value, I probably would look to move him because I'm just not high on his potential. Uh, some of the guys are being talked about in the range of their number 16 pick, which they got from the Heat. They're still owed another one from the Heat in 2021, totally unprotected. And then they have that reverse protected one from the Bucks that probably won't convey until 2020 now, it looks like. But Zaire uh, Smith from Texas Tech is someone who's being talked about in their range. That's who ESPN has him going to at this point it does there are a lot of wings like jerome robinson although he's he's a point guard but he's six five or troy brown is in that range aaron holiday is a point guard is in that range i mean maybe they might draft a point guard and hope that he can actually contribute this year uh so that looks like what's going to be around for them and certainly getting more wings especially some who can shoot would be useful for them uh what else we got to talk about with these guys well so it was something that i was wondering about just as an asset proposition would you be interested in making an offer to one of the kind of higher profile restricted free agents the guys i was thinking so i think they're not going to clear enough money to really be in the capella Jokic mix i also don't think that makes much sense especially if they're well it, they were but they were maybe for being regarded as a suitor for capella but i believe that was before mm-hmm. they got the number one overall pick wasn't it i believe yeah. so and i mean if they draft Aiton, they should not sign clay capella that just doesn't make sense unless you're just doing it as a troll but it's not like they're worried about the rockets right now yeah and, and there's other guys that you can so, do as a troll offer that might actually help you you know um right and so so i was thinking about aaron gordon and jabari there i don't particularly love the fit of either of those guys on this suns yeah. team yeah jabari and but Booker maybe if their market taps out a little yeah. bit jo- oh my god defensively and then gordon you know maybe as the four but like he and josh jackson you know those two guys as your three and four are probably not a good enough shooting tandem so that's not amazing what about them as a Marcus and yeah. Booker can't switch? Yeah. yeah. What about them as a Marcus Smart destination? What if they brought in Marcus Smart to be their or you know gave him a decent offer sheet to be their starting point guard? I think it's definitely an interesting idea. There is a concern if Josh Jackson's jump shot isn't like fixed that they yeah. could have those two guys run together, but he could certainly help just build that mentality. Right. And what I like about Smart's fit there is that he could scale down into a, you know, be a high value backup. I'm sure that's not what he wants, but if if they get somebody above him, let's say they, they take a point guard at 16 and that guy ends up being good, then you can eventually you can have Smart as kind of a jack of all trades. And I'm guessing the, the, rate, the rate that he's going to get, that'll probably be workable, you know, as like a valued six man. So I'm okay with it. 
I don't think it's necessarily the best use of resources because he's going to get a, a, you know, presumably a three or four year contract. And so then that cuts out, you know, that's your one bet. Your bet is Marcus Smart instead of whatever they can get next year. And I would be interested in kind of on a, a lesser note with that. Oh, actually, before I get into that, one thing I want to talk about was, again, evaluation standpoint, how much you, how much they want the ball in Devin Booker's hands moving forward? Like, is he more of an Oladipo too, where you can put an off an, a more of an off guard one next to him and have it work or it, do you want a real you know ball dominant gonna gonna drive and dish gonna do all that kind of stuff because how you allocate resources for point guards is affected dramatically by what you want booker to be yeah and i think in theory knight offensively is not that bad of a fit next to booker as a guy much as we complain about him and he was awful two years ago and then missed this year at the acl and you know it's unlikely that he regains the form that got him that contract to begin with which was an overpay of course but in theory his ability to shoot the ball is something that is a pretty good fit next to booker and that not a lot of traditional point guards have necessarily if they are they need to get some kind of another option in there you would think if they're trying to improve this year besides knight and ulis and you know for me i probably would just roll with that and then maybe you could try booker some at point guard as well josh jackson has some point forward skills so maybe you just don't need a traditional point guard but if you're going to get onto the point guard market here you know who is there it's a pretty sparse group well if isaiah thomas wants to make good and the suns are trying to compete this year that might be the best marriage i mean they would suck defensively but at least they could score and you get it get a better way to evaluate a lot of their other young guys in terms of the interior based on passing i think it could actually be a very good thing for Aiton if they draft him so it could go maybe a one-year deal or some sort of you know like we talked about that idea of you know it doesn't fully guarantee or some sort of protection or even something for a second season there is plenty of baggage with isaiah in phoenix but i think opportunity is going to dictate for him and outside outside of isaiah i don't think of any real point guards that make a ton of sense for what they're looking for and even isaiah i think i I don't know if i want to add you know 30 percent usage rate to this team uh where you're trying to build up a little bit more of a, of a culture and there's already a lot of mouths to feed between jackson who shoots too much booker who doesn't shoot too much anymore actually had a pretty efficient year last year but uh if you're trying to work with deandre ayton as well you've got chris who likes to get some shots up i mean they're, they're tj warren as well i mean i think they have enough in terms of shot creators on this team what they really need is shooting and defense to me um and yeah i mean there really is so i know. was gonna ask you so a couple other kind of like flyer restricted free agent point guards that i was like oh maybe maybe more they would be interested than i would be interested if i were their general manager fred van vliet dante exum both interesting kind of like uh take a gamble on if you can it's a price that you're happy with I could see both yeah. of those as just being, you know, kind of fitting with Booker a little bit and then eventually maybe sliding to the backup like I talked about with Marcus Smart. Yeah, Van Vliet as a shooter and a guy who at least will give effort defensively and a pretty unselfish player is not a bad fit with Devin Booker at all. That's something that I might actually consider if I were Phoenix, especially considering how young he is now. Are you really want to go big enough with him as an arenas restricted free agent to pry him away from Toronto? You know, that's probably going to end up being a bad contract, but the fit there is good. And there really uh, are not that many. Actually, an interesting one to me, Danny, would be uh, Milos Teodosic uh, as a, now he doesn't help their defense, but he can shoot the ball and he's a good, like unselfish passer who could could help get some of these guys involved they i mean that's another thing that they just have zero of on this team is passing uh you know bender is probably their best passer and pretty nascent player right now and has a lot of other limitations so that might be one if in fact Teodosic declines that player option or if he were to get waived by the clippers might be something they could look at as just a way to make the team respectable and run better and uh certainly uh, kakashkov as a serbian is going to be quite familiar with him i know he coached slovenia but uh, i'm sure he's very familiar with Teodosic's game and so that could be something to look at if in fact he were to come free I would also like to see them just get one more shooter ideally a shooting forward there are a series of different ways if they want to go more on the low cost front somebody like Anthony Tolliver who would also fill some of the solid vet quota on this team or yeah Joe Harris if they could get well, him at a reasonable I mean they already price. have just Tolliver, somebody to his kind name of is Jared Dudley on the team like they're pretty redundant and, and maybe they'll actually play Dudley a little bit this year if they're trying to win you know that 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 is another one of my solutions yeah actually playing Jared Dudley we'll see Oh, and, and just as a as a lottery ticket, I've set him for a lot of teams, but 
rolling the dice on Travion Graham would be interesting just as like, a, hey, if he could be a part of your rotation, if he comes at a reasonable cost, I'd be fine with that too. Yeah, and really, I think the fact that the Suns got the number one overall pick and are likely to take Aiton has been, is a big problem for the rest of the centers now. I mean, we saw this happen with point guards last year with guys like George Hill, who had to settle in Sacramento after turning down 80 million from the Jazz. And whether it's Capella, Yusuf Nurkic, there are a lot of guys who are probably were counting on having the Suns as a potential destination because they so desperately needed a center and out they're going to have Aiton and they're probably planning on starting him and they already got Tyson Chandler as sort of like the vet backup that takes one of the few center suitors out of the market. You brought up that they the Suns have one in 16. We should also mention that they have 31, which is an incredibly valuable pick because of not tied to the rookie scale could be interesting in terms of who is who is available then and then hilariously they also have 59 just because i guess they want to draft a guy and just bury them in europe for a couple of years yeah well 31 can be a very valuable pick for getting a european who you know might have a big enough buyout that a late first round pick wouldn't work very well for him so then you can do that pick stash him for a couple of years and then you know you're not subject to the rookie scale if you do want to bring him over at a later time um i think that's about all i got on these guys yeah i think so for me as well i will mention that i have a couple of things one out uh real gym radio with ben golliver we talked about the finals talked about lebron it was a, a fun conversation i also have a piece coming out for the athletic on monday about kevin durant's free agency path so like opting in versus non-bird versus early bird and, and all those kind of logistics that'll be out and then off-season previews rolling on strong for the athletic as well i think the king's one is going to come out on monday i'm not entirely sure of that all right i want to thank dollar shave club for sponsoring today's program they deliver everything you need to look feel and smell your best not just shaving shampoo conditioner body wash toothpaste hair gel butt wipes those are actually essential for hygiene in my personal opinion and a great way to try a bunch of dollar shave clubs products is their daily essentials starter set for just five dollars comes with body cleanser their one wipe charlie's their world famous shave butter and their best razor the six blade executive and you can keep those blades coming for a few more bucks a month add in shampoo toothpaste anything else you need so no more having to run to the store when you realize oh yeah i'm out of toothpaste and i don't really have a choice i have to go to the store well if you're getting it delivered don't have to worry about it anymore the way to get started with them dollarshaveclub.com slash capspace is that url once again dollarshaveclub.com slash capspace let them know that you came from us with that slash capspace url at bet365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every goal every game every point every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.